We are launching a new series this morning called Summer Heat. Now, uh, we planned this series back in April, uh, knowing that July is usually hot, you know, it's the middle of summer, but we had no idea that there was going to be a historic heat wave in the Pacific Northwest. And for us to be pushing 100 degrees for two weeks straight here in the Magic Valley is crazy. So we didn't know that it was going to be this hot uh, when we planned uh, this. But, you know, God has a sense of humor. And it's as if he said, oh, you're going to entitle your series Summer Heat. I'll give you some summer heat. Um, so next time when we do a series in the middle of summer, it's going to be called Mild Temperatures with a Chance of Rain. Okay, that's what we're going to do. Uh, we picked summer heat because there are significant moments in the Bible that happen around heat, uh, stories that happen in the heat of the day, stories that happen around fire, um, and as we experience a pretty intense heat wave, uh, we are reminded that God is at work when the heat is on, meaning when the heat is on when it's pushing 100 degrees, or when the heat is on in our lives when life's pressures become too intense, it's good to remember God is with us then too. Um, scripture this morning comes from Daniel chapter 3. Um, you can turn there in your Bibles or look it up on your phones. Uh, if you are looking it up in a Bible, Daniel can be a little harder to find. It's in the middle of prophets, which is towards the end of the Old Testament. Um, prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, and then you'll find Daniel. Uh, Daniel 3 verses 16 to 28 is um, the middle of a well-known story. It's a story about three guys named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and a fiery furnace. Many of you know this story. Um, about 580 years before Jesus, the city of Jerusalem is conquered and the Israelites are taken into captivity to Babylon. That is the superpower that took them over. Um, some of the young Jewish men from royal descent are taken to the Babylonian king. His name is Nebuchadnezzar. And they are taken with the intent that they will be trained as advisors to the king. It's sort of like, like the idea of if you conquer peoples, you want their best and the brightest in your service. That's sort of like what's going on here. And three of those men who are taken to be trained as advisors are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Um, they all become counselors or advisors for King Nebuchadnezzar. Um, the king eventually builds this giant golden statue that he commands everyone to bow down to. And anyone who won't bow down to it will be thrown into the fiery furnace. Now Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will not bow to the statue. Some other advisors tattle on them and they tell the king. And the king is furious and he confronts them which is where we pick up the story in our scripture passage. Our scripture reader for this morning is Sam Navarez. Sam, if you can make your way on up to the podium. And as Sam does that, I'm going to ask if you're able to stand and face the center of the room. Um, we stand because we believe this is the word of God. And we read from the center of the room to remind us that Scripture is to be central in our lives, both as individuals and as a community of faith. And so, Sam, whenever you are ready, uh, please read from Daniel chapter 3, beginning in verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, 
the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude towards them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, Weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, Certainly, your majesty. He said, Look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like the son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair on their head singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any other god except their own god. Sam, thank you very much. You may be seated. Yeah, just in case you haven't noticed, it's hot outside. It is hot. And while I'm sure it's not as hot as it was in the fiery furnace, um, I'm going to guess it's close. Uh, it is really, really hot out there. How hot? You may ask. It's so hot, I'm hearing crazy stories. I'm hearing stories like cows are giving evaporated milk. Um, I'm hearing chickens are laying hard-boiled eggs and omelets. Um, I'm hearing people who planted potatoes are harvesting french fries. Um, it's my understanding that now all chocolate is drinkable. Um, it is so hot, fire hydrants are chasing dogs. Um, it's so hot, my daughter's Alexa asked her to be put in the freezer. Um, let's see, it's so hot, my neighbor said his car overheated before he drove it. Um, a friend says he has hot water coming out of both taps. Apparently, asphalt has a liquid state, and my thermometer reads, are you kidding me? Um, heat can be oppressive, and it's why we use it as a metaphor for being under pressure. The heat is on. Um, this story has all kinds of heat. It has literal heat, the fiery furnace, but it's loaded with metaphorical heat. Uh, it has anger, it has pressure. Um, and what I wanna do this morning, just kinda look at each character in the story and see how this character deals with the heat. Um, beginning with King Nebuchadnezzar. King Nebuchadnezzar was hot with anger. 
as we read in verses 19 to 21, where it says, um, Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. And so these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. Um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You learn more about them in Daniel chapter 1. Um, as I said earlier, they were young men of royal or noble descent from the conquered city of Jerusalem. Now, when um, Nebuchadnezzar had his people pick potential advisors from the royalty of Jerusalem, they had certain criteria that these um, young men had to meet. One is that they could not have any physical defect. Um, they had to be handsome. Uh, they had to have aptitude for every kind of learning. They had to be well-informed. They had to be quick to understand. They had to be qualified to serve in the king's palace. They were the best of the best when it came to wisdom and understanding. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were administrators over the province of Babylon, the center of the Babylonian empire, the superpower of its day. They were competent, trusted advisors. But because they didn't bow down to the golden statue, the king's attitude toward them changed. Nebuchadnezzar is furious with them. Now, how do you know when you are hot with anger? Well, one of the ways that you know that you're hot with anger is when you desire to inflict maximum pain in minimal time, okay? When you want to inflict the most pain in the shortest period of time, you are hot with anger anger. And you see that here with Nebuchadnezzar in verse 22, where it says, the king's command was so urgent and the furnace was so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, discipline, discipline is trying to change someone's negative behavior. Self-defense is taking action to protect yourself. This was neither of those things. The king's command is urgent and the fire is so hot, the king is trying to inflict maximum pain in minimal time. And if you find yourself doing that, well, it's safe to say you're hot with anger. And when you are hot with anger, you can do a lot of damage. And the damage you do is you hurt those closest to you. Even in the passage where it says the king's command was so urgent, the furnace was so hot that the soldiers were killed. And then in verse 23, and these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. The king's anger caused the death of his soldiers. And the king's anger caused him to throw three of his most trusted advisors into the fire all over a golden statue. 
The king had a lot of anger. Uh, there's a lot of anger in our world today. Depending on your political persuasion, you'll even get angry at certain phrases. Phrases like, build the wall, or critical race theory, or talk of vaccination cards, or those who say, well, I'm not getting vaccinated. There's angry behavior. The NBA playoffs is going on, and it has been riddled with angry behavior of fans. Fans not just yelling horrible things at players and their families, but actually throwing things at players. Um, every time I turn around, there seems to be another news story of an angry confrontation of an, on an airplane. Like, we've completely lost our ability to act civil in society. Now, one of my all-time favorite sayings, and I'm not going to tell you what movie I get this from. You will either know the movie or not. One of my favorite sayings is, he's an angry elf. He's an angry elf. I find myself saying that more and more. Oh, he's an angry elf. Oh, she's an angry elf. There's a lot of angry elves out there. Followers of Jesus are called to be different. James 1 says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. If you find yourself hot with anger, wanting to inflict maximum pain in minimal time, maybe at something in your personal life with your family and friends, or maybe at something in your professional life, at your job, or maybe you're caught up in just this cultural anger we've got going on. Uh, if you find yourself hot with anger, it's not okay. It's time to repent. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. And King Nebuchadnezzar is hot with anger. And God, what God does, is he pours cold water on that anger. He pours cold water on Nebuchadnezzar's anger. And he'll pour cold water on our anger. And how do you know when God is doing that, when he's pouring cold water on your anger? Well, Something will happen and you can't believe what you see, okay? You'll be hot with anger and God will do something and it'll get your attention because you won't be able to believe it, okay? In King Nebuchadnezzar's case, if you look at verses 24 and 25, where it says, then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, uh, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? And they replied, certainly, your majesty. And he said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. The men are walking around in the fire. They went in tied up. Well, they're not tied up anymore, and they're not being burned up. And where did this fourth guy come from? The king leaps to his feet in amazement because he can't believe what he sees. When Nebuchadnezzar learned that they would not bow to the statue, he was amazed and was furious. Well, now he sees them walking around in the fire, and again, he's amazed, but this time he isn't furious, he's actually humbled. You see, God pouring cold water on our anger 
it's going to hurt because it's going to damage our pride. We will realize that we were wrong to be that angry. And you see this happen to the king. Uh, Verses 26, 28 of the passage. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and he shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire and the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them and they saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies nor a hair of their heads singed, their robes were not scorched and there was no smell of fire on them. And then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's commands and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. God pours cold water on his anger, and the king realizes he was wrong and changes his mind. Now, did you notice, or maybe I would just like to point out what God doesn't do in response to the Babylonian king. When the king tries to harm those faithful to him, the God does not retaliate against the king of Babylon. God doesn't try to get even with him. God doesn't throw Nebuchadnezzar in the fire. God doesn't have fire rain down on Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom. God simply pours cold water on his anger by doing the unexpected and humbles the king. James 4 says, he gives us more grace, which is why scripture says, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Do you remember when Jesus said, hey, if somebody slaps you on your right cheek, turn to him the other cheek. Or if somebody takes your shirt, give him your coat. Or if someone forces you to go one mile, go two miles. Remember when Jesus said that? If someone is hot with anger, Don't try to get even with them. Do something amazing. Do something that has the potential to humble them, which will pour cold water on their anger, turning the other cheek, giving up your coat, going the extra mile. That, in Jesus' estimation, is the best way to get someone acting hot with anger to realize maybe they're wrong. King Nebuchadnezzar is hot with anger and God pours cold water on it. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, while under pressure, they are faithful to both God and king. When the heat is on, they remain faithful to both God and king and their faithfulness to God and king is in that order. The heat is on these guys, both literally and figuratively. They either bow to the golden statue or die a horrible death. And I love their response, going to verse 16, where they say, King Nebuchadnezzar, 
We do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Now, this is the only time Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are recorded speaking. It's the only time. And they simply say, we will be faithful to God, no conditions. We will be faithful to God, no conditions. And while they believe that God can save them, they do not presume it. They will not break their commitment to God by serving other gods or bowing down to images. And they will definitely prefer that God saves them but their commitment is unconditional. They will remain faithful even if God doesn't come through for them. So they will not bow down to the statue. Now, just because they won't bow down to the statue does not mean they are being unfaithful to the king. Allegiance to God comes first and supersedes everything else, but other than that, they are faithful to the king. They are faithful to the king with only one condition. Now, it is key to remember, <laughs> uh, where does this story take place again? What kind of place is this? Where are they? This is not taking place in Jerusalem. It is not taking place in the land of Israel. Let me just remind you, where they are the rulers of, where they are the administrators for, Daniel chapter 2 tells us. Moreover, at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego administrators over the province of Babylon, while Daniel himself remained at the royal court. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are administrators over the province of Babylon, which means, if they're administrators, they will carry out the king's wishes for the province. Whatever the king wants to do in the province of Babylon, they are in charge of carrying it out. Um, what kind of place is Babylon? Well, Babylon uh, conquered their home. Uh, they are living in ca captivity in Babylon because Babylon conquered them. They are serving the king who conquered them, the king who destroyed their temple, the king who destroyed their city, the king who um, destroyed their homes. Babylon was not a place of godly values. Uh, the last book in the Bible, Revelation, was written by the apostle John under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And when John needs something to represent everything evil in the world, what does he choose to represent everything that's evil? He chooses Babylon. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are administrators over the province of Babylon. And you could argue that they were traitors 
because they're serving the king of Babylon. But they are not considered traitors in Scripture. They are considered heroes in Scripture. Why? Because they understood that God was bigger than the nation of Israel. They did not confuse their allegiance to their God with their allegiance to the nation Israel. They understood that they could be faithful to the Babylonian king without compromising their faith in God, even though the king destroyed their country and the land of Babylon did not represent their values. Babylon would go on to represent evil in Scripture, not a place that honored God. And they were faithful to the king of Babylon with one exception. They would have remained faithful to God. Today is a day we celebrate our country. Our country is worth celebrating. We know that our country isn't perfect. And regardless of where we stand on the political spectrum, there are things happening in our country that we don't like. While that doesn't mean we have to walk away from our country, we can remain faithful to it on one condition, that our allegiance is always to God first. John 17, Jesus says, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, the you being followers of Jesus, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. We are in the world, which means we are called to be a part of it. As much as we would like to escape it, that's not our call. Our call is to be a part of it. Yet we are not of the world, which means we shouldn't act like everyone else. We shouldn't get caught up in all the goofiness that is happening. And so this means that we remain faithful to God first, country second, even when we are angry. We will remain faithful to our families, even when they make us angry. We will remain faithful to our work and jobs, even when they make us angry. We will remain faithful to our country and culture, even though sometimes it makes us angry. And we realize our families, our work, our culture, it's not perfect. Ultimately, we remain faithful to our God who is perfect. Revelation 5 says, Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, and 10,000 times 10,000. And they encircled the throne, and the living creatures, and the elders. And in a loud voice, they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. Jesus, the Lamb who was slain, worthy of our worship, he is worthy of power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise and to the Lamb and to the one who sits on the throne be praise and glory and honor and power forever and ever. We are in the world, not of the world. 
And when God has our ultimate allegiance, we will overcome the things that make us angry. And we will overcome those things with our humility. Please pray with me. Lord, we thank you for your grace which abounds to us. And Lord, as we are reminded by the lamb who was slain, a picture of your ultimate love and mercy, Lord, I would ask that you would um, encourage us. And Lord, when we are angry, uh, to pour cold water on it when we're hot with anger. And Lord, I would ask that the times when um, we respond with someone else's anger with humility, Lord, I would ask that you would honor that. And Lord, that we would see you do amazing things when we are faithful to you. Lord, once again, we thank you for your goodness to us. And it's in the name of Jesus, the Lamb who was slain, in which we pray. Amen. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. And may the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen.